What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of AST with your host, Matty B, co-host CK. Thank you very much for tuning in. We took a little time off uh, because we had some priorities to attend to, and, and we decided that we're going to come to you and talk about those. And uh, the overall topic of this episode is staying hard, and that is a mindset that we believe translates into not only physical, even though I think that's mostly where our journey started, but when you connect the dots, it translates into the rest of your life when you're trying to obtain goals. So how I want to start it off with is I want CK to run through his example of a challenge that he took upon himself this last weekend, which was the reason that we took a week off, uh, because uh, Monday through Sunday, uh, we just had shit going on. And There might be some four-letter words in this podcast to create some emphasis around the topic, and if those offend you, please feel free to tune out. CK, take it away. Yeah, so staying hard, just uh, to give you a little background and kind of the origination of this and and the mindset shift that I think really kind of changed my life. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar, uh, David Goggins an absolute machine of a human being, also wrote an amazing book called Can't Hurt Me, um, and he's kind of coined the term stay hard. And that actually also, um, David Goggins has a lot to do with the challenge that I completed last weekend. It's uh, called the 4x4x48 Challenge. He was leading it, and they raised uh, money for charity kind of throughout this event. But essentially what it is is Um, I mean, you can really do any activity, but it started um, with running, which is what I chose to do. And it's you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So uh, in my example, I I started running at 10 p.m. on Friday night. You know, I'd run for about 30 minutes, four miles, however long it takes you. And then you rest until two in the morning and you run another four miles and then six in the morning and you run another four miles and so on and so forth for a total of 48 hours and, you know, roughly 48 or a little more miles if you run over. <clears throat> and so really for me, um, it was definitely a, f- a physical kind of endurance related experience, but more than anything, it was, it was mental. And, you know, when you're at two in the morning and six in the morning on day two, so that's Sunday morning, you're extremely sleep deprived and quite frankly you're in a decent amount of pain because your body just doesn't have the time that it normally has to recover was that a surprise to you though um not the physical aspect i knew that would i knew that was going to be what it was and that wasn't actually the hardest um like from a you're talking about a, pain a, a, a respiratory lo- wasn't that hard but the pain the physical pain it came, I knew it was going to happen, but it came up in the areas I wasn't expecting, which made it that much more of a mental obstacle to overcome. Like for me, my calves have always been the most difficult kind of pain to overcome with running. And it's just constantly plaguing me, um, you know, muscle wise, but my calves actually didn't hurt at all really throughout the entire event or my muscles at all. It was primarily like structurally my bones, my feet and my <laughs> knees. I felt really old. Um, we're in a lot of pain and I like, if you would have seen me running down the middle of the road with a hood up at two in the morning, limping, basically, you would have been like, this person is a psychopath. Call the cops. Yeah. You're about to rob me. Yeah. No, (laughs) um, I just, but I, I know I just looked odd, but, um, you know, throughout that experience, like 
I mean, I'll be honest. I probably looked a little bit crazy. I was yelling at myself in the middle of the night, like telling myself to just keep going. Like you have only this many more runs left or whatever. And, you know, you have then like three and a half hours to sit there and give yourself every single reason as to why you shouldn't go out on that next run or why you should just hit snooze on the alarm and just sleep through. But that wasn't really an option for me, like going into it. It was, I was going to complete this and it was going to be done and that's what it was going to be. And I was going to learn about myself throughout the process and knew it was going to be difficult, but I also knew I was going to do it because I just, you can't accept any type of failure. So inside your mind, right? When you started this out, the first couple were probably pretty easy. Yeah, the first like two or three. I think I called you in the middle of the first one. Yeah. And um, later when it got a little bit more difficult, you actually figured out, dude, I need to I need to sidetrack my mind because then I can just continue on the trajectory. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> and so the first few, pretty much a breeze, like n- nothing out of the ordinary. I, I run f- four miles pretty consistently. So it was like just another day, right? But then you get to those overnights and it's the coldest time of the day. It's windy. It's dark. It's lonely. I would imagine it's lonely. It's a little creepy sometimes, you know, you never know who's out there in the middle of the night, um, walking around and you might run into, luckily I didn't come into contact with anyone, but, um, yeah, just all the variables that make it difficult are definitely present. Um, you know, at those 2am and 6am runs, so I would say those are definitely the hardest, but, um, honestly, the daytime runs is beautiful weather out. So that made it a little easier, but it's still, it's a mental game, right? It's still painful. You still got to get through it. Um, but I think for me, like, I guess kind of zooming out. So now we've kind of given the description of, sure, of yeah. that, like we really want to talk about like the bigger picture of what it means to stay hard and kind of how maybe that related to the four by four by 48. Um, and for me, it's it, you can be summed up in just identifying the things that you have control over in life and the things that you don't have control over in life, recognizing those and putting all of your energy and resources into the things that you can control and honestly stop putting energy or wasting time and stress on the things you can't control and just get over them and learn to maximize control over your life push through pain and do the unpleasant things because it's going to make you a better person so in this two days right what 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 was the focus like were you were you uh highly focused compared to normal was this kind of the only thing in your mind what was the activities on your downtime compared to a regular day let's say because when you say you don't have the option to fail to me that means that this is the 100% activity and nothing else matters. And therefore, my chance of success should damn well better be close to 100%. Yeah, definitely. Good point. So I would say for me, like on a typical weekend, I will spend, if I'm not working, I'll spend a decent amount of time working out, reading, you know, recording a podcast, Um and of course, working and, a shit ton of hours. Yeah. Well, during the week, right? Yeah. Uh, but on a weekend, All which right, is like, you. so, and the, you know, sleeping in between, um, like or sleeping like an average amount, like six to eight hours a night, right? Um, trying to catch up from the previous week. 
but in this time and in oh, sorry one more thing and like some browsing on social media which is also where like i leads me on rabbit holes to do research and reading and things like that um so plenty of areas to allocate my attention on a normal weekend <clears throat> but on this weekend um in particular i don't think i touched my phone other than to record and log the runs and like call me maybe. and yeah and call and call like people to distract my mind on the runs um call you and i think i also spent i got a decent amount of sleep to be honest like it was it was not deep sleep because yeah. the most you're sleeping is like two two and a half hours at any given time so you don't really get to get into that deep sleep um or a REM sleep and so you still get sleep deprived but just total hours of sleep and volume of sleep was probably higher than like I would get on average for a normal weekday um just because it is eat sleep and run for those 48 hours like that's what it was so so why did you actually elect to do this specific challenge well I like challenging myself physically and I thought this would be a different type of physical challenge but more than anything I wanted to give myself a mental challenge because like, I don't honestly, I don't like running. Like I like the feeling of running after I run, you know, that runner's high that people allude to. Yes. But honestly, like during runs, it sucks. And, um, I've taken running up as my task to every day. I try and do something that I, I don't want to say I hate, but things that I don't like things that are unpleasant, try and do something every single day that is unpleasant um, to kind of train my mind to deal with those things so that if they do come up and I have no control over it, I can conquer them. And I thought that this was just like, it starts with accepting them, right? Yes. You have to actually accept those things in order to conquer them. Yes. But like being able to willingly choose to do something that you don't like in, in pursuit of something better and a larger goal, like taking that path of most resistance as opposed to the easier path of least resistance which um by the way a lot of these concepts that we're discussing are can be found in the book can't hurt me by david goggins so for those of you who have listened and we're repeating a lot of these things just know we do want to give credit to that book because honestly the book changed my life like 100 percent. yeah we both read it it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal book i i for sure recommend everybody giving it a shot yeah and if if you're not a big reader um i've also done the audiobook version too amazing it's they have like little podcasts in between where you get more context from Goggins himself so super helpful a lot of four-letter words from that man a lot of four-letter words um getting back on track I would just say like you know choosing to do those unpleasant things and taking that path of most resistance has then equipped me to really thrive in environments where the only path is the path of most resistance. Whereas other people are constantly looking for like, you know, the easiest way out. And they might, they might say, Oh, it's cause it's efficient. No, it's just cause it's easy and you don't want to put the work in. And when a time comes out, when, when there is no choice, but to put the work in, you get to shine because that's honestly just natural for you. Well, you've prepared, you've prepared, you've pre- you practiced. Exactly. And, and you've, you've trained your mind and like, most humans probably aren't reaching their potential physically 
And it's because the barrier to getting there is mental and being like, that's just one example of how your mentality and your mindset, in my opinion, can really like, um, physically impact your life and like your ability to achieve a specific goal. And like, you can actually see those changes. Like once you have a mindset shift, you might be able to reach your health or fitness goals or whatever, but like it, it translates to many other areas of your life, you know, whether it's work, whether it's family and relationships or school, you know, finances. I do. And and I suppose if you don't mind, I'll give you an example of how I unintentionally, um, did this, you know, a long time ago, and I've since expanded upon it and become aware of it. But it it actually goes back to basically the first uh, podcast, maybe it was the second, I can't remember. But I just happened to, unfortunately, uh, take the path of least resistance for a long time in my life. And that led me to a situation where I had no control but to take the hardest path. It was the only option left. And what that brought me to was um, a sober house and uh, an entire life change. And one of the things I endeavored into when I was there was physical training. I called it working out because I didn't know any different. And somebody approached me and said, hey, would you like to train today? And of course, I thought those two words were synonymous, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. Got there and this person, had a far more in-depth routine, which would be labeled as a plan. And then he started to ask me questions on what I do at the gym to achieve my goals. And I basically just showed up and worked out. And then when I started to connect the dots in uh, training is different than working out, I made the goals that I wanted to achieve. And I did it backwards, which would be labeled as reverse engineering. And this was simple, right? I wasn't trying to do anything complicated back then, focus on the basics. And it was just to lift heavy weight because I was a tiny little dude and I didn't like it. And so it was to bench press two plates on each side, squat three and deadlift four. And I was able to achieve those in what I thought to be record time because I was actually doing it systematically to get there. And then I started to realize like, okay, I hit those goals, but what else do I want to achieve? And everything that came on the list had nothing to do with physicality, right? It was all about my life because I was essentially up Shit's Creek, but now I learned some fundamental basics. Um, I won't go into the details of like life fundamentals, but I still learned those from that experience too. And so that level of preparation and effort on things that I can control translated into those areas. And there's no secret that the the saying of AA is uh, grant me that God grant me this serenity to um, understand the things I can't control and like identify the difference between the two things and, like that. and accept the things I can't control. Right. And the courage to know what I can and, and apply full force to those things. Yep. Um, my apologies. We basically murdered that saying, yeah, we but like it's, the, <laughs> it's the same concept. Okay. And so That led me into starting a business while at the same time as living in a sober house, having all of those qualifications, still meeting my physical needs because those translated into mental energy and everything started to build upon each other. But it was slow 
and it was unsatisfying. But I could see the progress because I had it written down. And then after you get to a certain point, you actually, in my opinion, don't need to write everything down. But it sure as hell helped at the first uh, the first stage. And so that's what I mean by you can choose whatever's the most important to you to go off of. And then if you connect the dots of the principles, you can translate those into every part of your life. And for me, it actually was staying hard because basically I was fucking weak. Like I just was. And, and it was super hard to admit and accept that. And in your your situation, um, some people might mix it up thing. oh, he was weak, like Physically, he couldn't lift a lot of weight or he wasn't strong, but you, yes, that is true at that point in time, but you also were referring to like weak mentally. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the two are definitely not correlated in like it was in this circumstance. There's plenty of people who are not physically strong that are extremely mentally strong. Absolutely. And, and so, um, but one concept I really want to pull out of kind of that story that you just elaborated on is when you achieved that goal, so you said bench two plates, squat three, deadlift four, or whatever, um, you didn't sit there and want to have a party for Maddie B about, like, look at this goal I accomplished. Everyone, like, look, I, I'm going to post on social media now and tell you all exactly what I did and how hard I worked and how, how great it was. Like, please give me dopamine rushes by liking this post. You didn't think about that. I mean, maybe you made a, I don't know, but I, I don't think you did um, just based on knowing you. And what you did though, is you said, what's next? A hundred percent. It was, it was like an immediate transition and my mind was stimulated because I had achieved something that I thought was impossible in the time frame. And if you're thinking about all the other things you can achieve, uh, my innate thought process was posting about this shit on social media doesn't get me there faster. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And and also a lot of people, they're not living their lives for themselves. It sure doesn't seem like it from my observations. They're living their lives. In my opinion, not all people, many people are living their lives for the social capital, for the street cred, right? They want... They want to be viewed as someone who has name brand value behind them. They've done this. They've done that. They want people to clap their hands for them. But once you start living your life for yourself and you take control, you realize that it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else thinks. It just straight up matters. What are your goals and how are you going to get there? And it literally becomes addicting. It does. Like we definitely both have addictive personalities just in kind of like our work ethic and who we are like, and it translates to many areas of our lives, which is can serve as a positive and a negative. And we've noticed that and we've decided to leverage that to our advantage, where in many other circumstances, it, the other side of the coin it is, you know, addictive personalities can be very detrimental to your life. But if you learn to use your weaknesses as strengths you can completely change the game like you know doubling people say double down on your strengths that's fine but why not like quadruple down on your weaknesses and make yourself better because of them and and honestly being aware of them and accepting them is is great for self-awareness and if your weaknesses 
don't really require improvement to get to whatever goal you want to, fuck it, double down on your strengths, right? But that's not an unanimous saying right you hear it all the time but it doesn't apply to life unanimously yeah and i like what you said about kind of awareness and self-awareness and i think a lot of people they just they don't have the courage or the ability to to look themselves in the mirror and acknowledge themselves or who they are and how they're not what they want to be and because that's that's difficult. It's not something that we naturally want to do, you know, running towards pain and running towards insecurities and running towards these things that hold you back from reaching your true potential. They 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 aren't. It's not natural. No. And, 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 and self-awareness is required because I, I do feel like this is separation. Right. Because there are certain people that make social media uh, 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 an income source for their livelihood. Right. And if that's your goal, that's fine. But when you're taking the observations that I see everywhere, it seems very hard to make that argument for the majority of the similar content. And so it's like, all right, what's the goal? Because I don't see the goal in in a lot of these uh, aspirational, motivational posts. And there's a reason why certain people make it to the 1% of influencers that make a living off of and the other fucking 99 don't. And maybe, and you know what, maybe there is a goal and maybe we're not aware of it and whatever. Like, to be honest, I couldn't care less about like other, like specific people. Um, I'm just seeing like larger patterns within populations of people. And I just see that people are not real with themselves. And like they expect other people to tell them what to do and to tell them that they're doing a good job and to tell them to keep on doing what you're doing and like they want a pat on the back. But the fact of the matter is, is that nobody is going in today's day and age, nobody's going to be honest with you and nobody's going to tell you how it really is because they're either one, too afraid to offend you or two, too busy doing their own shit and taking care of their own life. And if that's the case, and once you realize that and you just look yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself what your flaws are and what you need to work on instead of just trying to hide in fear and hide behind a phone screen or whatever, you can actually start working on your goals. Well, and there needs to be some level of conversation around that. If you are an adult, um, and, and, and that means being self-sufficient in my opinion, right? Like with, uh, life, you need to be able to take care of yourself. So there's some, level of conversation that needs to be had in if I want to be in the best physical shape of my life, right? Well, if I don't have any expenses and I can live for free, that's fucking fabulous. And I can work on that all day long. But for most people that live in the real world that have to pay for their own way, that have other people counting on them, now you have a complex balancing act of prioritizing that specific number one goal with all the other real life shit that still needs to be attended to. So if your goal is to be an influencer and make money off of it, okay, that's fine. But are you surviving on your own right now? And if you are, I'm not going to, f- I will praise you actually. But if you're not, then I'm sure as shit not going to praise you for doing a bunch of these things that is really your only thing that you do. Well, yeah. And let's just like, let's just shift away from this whole social media influencer thing. I don't really know how we got down this rabbit hole. I, I think the fact of the matter is though, is that, 
when you have other priorities and other things going on in your life, it is very difficult to achieve your goals in just maybe one or even many areas if you've got all these conflicting priorities that you have to have a balancing act with and all these different time constraints, etc. The thing is, is that like, that's the point is that it's not easy and that it's hard and that you have to embrace the things that are hard and you have to cut the dead weight, right? Because you're probably wasting time somewhere. You're probably wasting energy somewhere, whether that's relationships, whether that's TV, whether that's social media consumption, whatever it is. And you have to really, really define those goals and figure out what is adding value and what is not adding value. And sometimes you might have to cut out things that are adding value because it's just not adding as much value as the other things that are more important. And you only got 24 hours in a day. Exactly. And everyone's got the same 24 hours in a day. And you got to figure out how are you going to use it to maximize your long-term like potential to reach your goals. Absolutely. And this is not something I execute on perfectly. It's just something that I continue to strive for. So when I get loud and emotional about these things, that's because sometimes I'm guilty of many of these things, but I revert back to the mindset that got me to where I wanted to go in the first place. Exactly. And like for me, so I'm going to relate this back to running because I've learned a lot of lessons from running and, or just working out in general. Um, but specifically running because like, you know, if you're at the gym and you're lifting weights, like you can technically like leave at any point and, and just drive home in your car. But for me, like running, you're however many miles away from your starting point already. Like you don't have a choice, but to get back there. Yeah. Not treadmill running, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> I like, I prefer to run outside when it's not, you know, when it's not too icy and there's a risk of slipping, but, um, you know, you have to get back there and like in the middle of your run, it's very likely that you're like, Oh my God, like I need, I want to stop. Like I just want, but then you realize you don't have a choice and that like, And because you don't have a choice, you just begin to constantly choose the mentality of like that mentality that you had at the beginning when you set those goals. Right. And it's just like, I'm going to complete this. And so literally every single run, I have this conversation with myself of like, I would like to stop or whatever. And usually that makes me end up wanting to go longer because I'm just like, it, it fuels the fire. Like it's this feedback loop, but so many people like don't know how to control that voice because there's 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 a voice that's telling you to stop and there's a voice that's telling you to keep going and you just got to figure out how to make the one that's telling you to keep going a little louder than the one that's telling you to stop so kind of interesting you brought up voices which i guess is noises um you talked about internal ones but i mean i guess what do you what are some tactics or or what are your thoughts on the conversation of external noise right because Dude, there is a ton of it. So much. And like And I am guilty of letting that influence me in negative ways. Oh, I mean, I think everyone is. Like it's 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 natural. Like you have to it's another part of training. You have to mentally train yourself to to tune out the noise. But I think for me it's just like kind of I said cutting that dead weight. You you're able to pretty clearly identify what's worth allocating time to and what's not. You know? Yeah, that would require some emotional control then, right? 
Yeah. And I think you have to, you have to separate like the emotion from the decision making, right? Because if all you do is make emotional decisions, you probably need to reevaluate your decision making process. Yeah. I mean, that sounds super simple and easy, but I, but I think that that unconsciously happens to, uh, to many people without, without really their knowing. And, and sometimes when you get emotional, it's, it's hard to get out of that. And when you're talking about achieving a goal and, and, Emotions, in my opinion, can significantly get in the way of that um, because most goals, I don't really believe in, in, in multitasking, right? I, I think that we all can agree that we do that in some form or fashion, but when you really break it down, right, your attention is actually 100% focused on what you're doing. It might just change drastically fast, which then gives the illusion of multitasking. But what I really think is a service to uh, getting shit done is being able to transition from 100% focus to 100% focus and being self-aware when when you're kind of not doing that. And and I know that's complicated because real life is just straight up complicated, especially depending on what line of work you do. Sometimes I feel like I get pulled in different directions, uh, you know, six, seven, eight, nine times a day. But reverting back to quieting the noise getting this thing done before I worry about the next thing done is like the most simplistic thing. And it provides me the greatest value. Oh yeah. And like, I find myself like I have a million thoughts running through my brain at any given time, especially with work. And like, you've got multiple priorities and things that have got to get done and you have to learn to reprioritize and focus on the things that are most important. And like, it's really easy when you've got people emailing you and you've also got social media and you've got podcasts playing in the background. You've got all these different things, other examples, other examples of noise to not only distract you, but it also becomes extremely stressful. And so like what I find myself doing is like in order to overcome that stress is it's take a deep breath. It's. I used to listen to podcasts while I work. In my opinion, I can't do that anymore. I can't listen to music. Like it's straight up like instrumentals, like lo-fi beats just to like have something. So I don't hear anything in the background. Like I just need to cancel out noise basically. And then no phone and checking email minimally, like not minimally, but give yourself a couple times during the day. And then whatever it is you're focusing on, like just say, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to complete this and don't give yourself any other option and then say, and then I'm going to go on to the next thing and like give it my 100% attention and effort. Absolutely. Dude, email management, um, if you are in a line of work that has a ton of emails, it is actually one of the most difficult art forms of uh prioritization that I've had to deal with. And, uh, especially when you look at your inbox and all of a sudden it goes from 20 to 40 to 60 and you just have to literally not care about it. If this one thing is the one thing that you're supposed to be focused on and then boom, you transition back and, and hammer out the rest of it as fast as you absolutely can. And that's just the reality of reprioritizing. So like making a plan is phenomenal because it, it it's necessary in my opinion, but I used to get really disgruntled when that plan would be fucked with. And then I realized like, 
too bad. It's not in my control. It's, and it's all <laughs> constantly evolving. Like you may make a plan once, but by the time you complete task number one on that plan, there's going to be three other new things that added were added to the list and two that were removed. And like, you're going to have to reprioritize and it is an ongoing, evolving, iterative process. And you've got to get good at like constantly rebalancing those priorities but in my opinion, like if you start to eliminate the distractions and the other things in your life, you actually end up like it, it. You might feel like you're getting less done because you're not doing as much at once. But for each thing that you were doing, you were doing it so much better and so much more efficiently that in aggregate, you're probably actually getting more done. It just might not feel like it because you're so zoned in at any given point in time on one thing. Yeah, and thoroughness uh, is part of that too because you can definitely, you know, do things that are not uh, 100% or totally complete. And those things are definitely able to be passed off in a lot of work environments. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that uh, philosophy. And I know sometimes it's necessary, but I try to avoid it at all costs. I try to give my best product in anything that I'm doing because otherwise I start to wonder why the fuck I'm doing it. Well, yeah, exactly. And also like your reputation gets built on that, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I don't necessarily care what people think of me from like a personal standpoint, but if we're working together or you're looking at my work ethic, like I want to make sure that you know that if you work with me and you partner with me, you are going to get the absolute best out of me in everything I do. You want you want your quality to be recognized because of the effort you put into it and that has a uh, correlation to your future opportunities. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm going to be the best, right. but you are going to get my absolute best. Yes. Like I'm going to give it everything I've got um, and there still may be plenty of room to improve, but like for the things that I know I can control, for example, something like, like typos or just very minor details like that pay attention to that stuff if it matters you know sometimes some lines of work like you just need to push out like iterations and like it's okay to have those until the final product um depending on like what type of product development you're doing but you want to make sure that like you got high quality stuff in everything in life yes if it's a if it's a workout if it's a a meal that you're making for your family if it is um a work product whatever it is make sure it's good absolutely absolutely and food affects your performance and and that goes into what's the main goal priority if it's physicality and quality of work you might want to have uh, enough fuel in the tank to do those things at a high level for as long as possible and i and i from my, my perspective food's super important oh 100 food is like it it's kind of like if you put garbage in you're gonna get garbage out yeah yeah and you need you need high quality inputs to fuel the machine because um, it's not just a physical thing a lot of people are like oh like you know i'm not eating what i what i should be eating so i'm gaining weight think about what it is doing to your mental performance though which then translates to your work performance and i think actually this week there was a, a startup founder that got a uh, kind of minor canceled on twitter because he was super excited that he had lost a bunch of weight and he was saying that if you are not at your peak physically that means your work product is probably not 
it at its full potential. Yeah, he and got canceled. He got he. Everyone got mad at him. All the people that were like, you know, fat is beautiful. Those people, um, which whatever. If you think that's beautiful, go for it. Like whatever. I don't care. But he got canceled. Well, and I think that for me, if somebody said that, and I had a different viewpoint, his viewpoint just simply doesn't affect mine. I exactly. just don't care. Yeah, that's fine. Like, if you want to die of, like, coronary heart disease and that's beautiful, go for it. Well, and also, if I just think that my work performance is better suited with high-quality nutrition and having a low body 100%. fat percentage or whatever, that's my business, right? Yes. That doesn't mean I don't think that everyone should follow me. It's just what I'm expressing as my opinion. Yeah, and, like, honestly, I legitimately could not care less if other people decide to eat unhealthily or to not exercise it's not within your control right no it's not within my control but what does just like cause me to speak up sometimes not to do anything beyond speak up is when people do those things but complain yes about not having their life in order yes and i and i think that's uh sort of why i got on the tangent of what i see in the in the world of what i observe which is basically online is that some of the contradictions, right? You, 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 you're awesome at this and you're complaining about that. All right, well, what's the middle ground? Where's it at? Yeah, and like, I don't know, man. There's just, there's infinite things in life to complain about. Like, oh, my boss won't give me a raise or like- He treats me poorly, makes me they, feel bad. Or they treat me poorly and things like that. Well, I guess what then? If you were worth more money- go find a different job because then the market, if you are worth more money, the market should be willing to pay you more money. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and if, if your form of currency is respect and appreciation, then there should be some employer out there who's willing to give you that as well. And, and it might not be your existing one. Maybe they are actually assholes. Yes, for sure. But like it is your job to take control and like just stop complaining like, I don't know. I, so I, so let's transition this and maybe we finish it off and make this a little shorter than our normal ones, right? But let's talk about gratitude, dude, because I'm super grateful for these fundamental lessons that I learned in life, even though a lot of them happen to be accidental. But then as I read information like David Goggin's book and some others, um, you know, uh, Eric Thomas, uh, who is what, what the black preacher, if you will, mm-hmm. you know him? Yeah. Dude, I used to listen to that man and drive from my sober house to the office after I already drove back to the sober house and worked all day to then go have an office space to work on starting a business and then go back to the sober house by the required 1 a.m. curfew time. And I did that for like six months straight. And I had to be back after work because we had requirements and I had to bring people to meetings and different things. And that was part of my goals that I committed to. But I was able to then extrapolate on that. And it made me realize that, like, dude, other people actually are doing this and talking about it. And I just felt grateful that I happened to stumble upon this self-awareness, if you will. And it made it way easier to ignore a lot of stuff that I didn't realize was just like holding me back. And those, these principles that we're talking about, you know, staying hard can be extrapolated into many different interpretations, but 
like I really am truly grateful for the ability to recognize what is good for me, even though I might dislike it or it might cause physical or mental pain because it's gotten me to the place where I am today, which is a lot more serene than it fucking used to be. Absolutely. And, and now you get to choose to put yourself in the dungeon. You know, you get to choose to put yourself through those unpleasant things. At one point in your life, it wasn't a choice. It was just the last choice on the ballot. It, it was the only choice. It was the only choice. And, and so you had, it, it, was, it was that or death. Like you had to get through it or you, you were going to adapt and then survive and thrive or you were going to die. Yeah, and, and that made it pretty easy to go ahead and, and go ahead and do those things. Um, and and you, you are correct in what you just said. The luxury of the choice and then being disciplined enough to actually want to make that choice. Dude, it's pretty freaking cool. Absolutely. And like, I think a lot of people are, we, we live in a, a country that, you know, our standard of living is very high and it's, it's, more uncommon than it is not where people would have to fight for their life to survive you know in a sense of like you know the, the homelessness is a, is an issue but i think most people are living in homes right like they, they aren't fighting for shelter fighting for life fighting for that like next paycheck all the time like you're 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 pretty cushioned in this country in many senses right Yes, even though we are having more issues when you when you take a look at it in relative terms. Yes, I'm not trying to discount like yeah, the suffering that is going on because if you are suffering, like I support you and I, I hope that you can find a way to overcome it. But like the point is is that those people are at a point where they have a choice now and like which one are they gonna choose? Are they gonna are they gonna grab life by the balls or are they gonna sit there and let it keep smacking them down? And in a lot of people um, they don't make that choice because they've just, they have this cushion or they have this kind of, um, safety net, safety net. Thank you. And, and you have to, you have to do something about it. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've like definitely have some level of like privilege and like I, I started out in a pretty good s situation relative to others, but like, this is also a choice at this point because you guys, I started out in a good enough place to lead me to mediocrity right? I refuse to be average, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing is you have to stop, stop waiting on, on the safety net to bring you up because it's just going to be there unless you keep, if you keep falling. Well, and the safety net is designed for mediocrity, right? Like you can't have the expectation of greatness through a safety net because you, you, it's not provided by you. It's provided by somebody else and they're only going to allocate you enough resources to have you stop complaining. And they're going to do it to enough people to where that just becomes the, the mean, you know, the average. Yes. Yes. And so there's a broad description, but you, I think y'all get the point. Yeah. So basically stop expecting other people to do shit for you. Grab life by the balls or by the horns or whatever you want to call it. Look yourself in the mirror and do something about the things that you don't like. And it's a blessing to be able to breathe and think and be able to execute on that because if you are doing those things, breathing and thinking, the possibility still exists to turn whatever you don't like into wherever you want to go. It's just not promised. Absolutely. And time 
there's never a time where it is not a good idea to change your mindset towards having more control over your own life and your mindset because it sets the foundation for everything and and because you're in control of it and once you realize you're in control of it you can always make that shift no matter what point in life you're at thank you guys for listening today is always the day that is in your control we'll see you next time see ya